Happy Sabbath. Good morning. Why don't we just open with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this Sabbath day. We invite you into our lives and into our hearts. And we ask for consecrated lives to you. Lord, we want to get dedicate all of us to you, your cause, and your glory. And we ask that we'll come to understand a little bigger picture of all you've given us. Fill us with your spirit and send your presence to, to dwell with us and ennoble our minds to think higher thoughts of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we talked about ever, right, on Thursday morning, and then yesterday we talked about only. Well, now we're going to talk about all, ever, only, all. And I think Tyler mentioned it um, back on Thursday, but really these three words sum up consecration. It basically covers all the different aspects. And of course, one hour for each isn't really or 45 minutes for each isn't really enough to, to cover everything, but we just pray that, that we, we get a little bigger glimpse. Um, so we're going to talk about all, and I'm sure we all know what that means when we, when we say the word all. You know, it probably means something like the greatest possible or one's whole interest, energy, or property. Um, another definition is wholly, entirely, and completely. So we all have a general understanding, right? Well, how about in light of consecration? Do we really have a grasp on what, um, what our all means and what God's all means? And when we look at it like the greatest possible or wholly, entirely, and completely, what does that look like in consecration? <clears throat> um, we ha- we we want to. I just want to take a look a m- moment to to look at God's all because, like I said yesterday, the greatest definition for things spiritual is God. And so, um, I, I want to go back in time to the emerging days of the human race. Clear back to right after Adam and Eve sinned, okay? And um, Ellen White writes this, this uh, amazing, amazing paragraph that I just want to read to you. And basically what we're looking at here is God's all, what he's given us. So this is right after Adam and Eve sinned by eating the forbidden fruit. And Ellen White tells us this, that sorrow filled heaven as it was realized that man was lost and that the world that God created was to be filled with mortals doomed to misery, sickness, and death. And there was no way of escape for the offender. Jesus' countenance had an expression of sympathy and sorrow. He approached the exceeding bright light that enshrouded the Father. The anxiety of the angels 
uh, was intense while Jesus was communing with his father. Three times the glorious light about the father shut him in, and the third time he came from the father, his person could be seen. His countenance was now calm, free from all perplexity and trouble, and shone with benevolence and loveliness, such as words cannot express. He then made known to the angelic host that a way of escape had been made for lost man. He told them that he had been pleading with his father and had offered to give his life as ransom and take the sentence of death upon himself. And through him, man might find pardon. That through him. That though the, through the merits of his blood and obedience to the law of God, they could have the favor of God and someday be brought into the beautiful garden and eat of the fruit of the tree of life. And then she goes on a little bit later to say that then joy, inexpressible joy, filled heaven. And the heavenly host sung a song of praise and adoration. This is all just over us, fallen human beings. So they sang uh, a great song of praise and adoration. They touched their harps and sung a note higher than they had done before for the great mercy and condescension of God in yielding up his dearly beloved to die for a race of rebels. Praise and adoration were poured forth for the self-denial and sacrifice of Jesus. I like that. They were praising because of Jesus, what he had decided to do. There was risk. Oh, no, sorry. Um... Uh, for the sacrifice of Jesus, that he would consent to leave the bosom of his father and choose a life of suffering and anguish and die an ignominious death to give his life for us. That's powerful. So basically, Jesus went into God and said something like this. I want to give my all, meaning his life, in order that we might have their, meaning are all back get it jesus is saying to god i want to give my all my life in order that we meaning god and jesus might have our all back our, us humans back and then it was in god's court to decide um if he would give his all meaning jesus christ in order to have our all so, so this was not just like an automatic, boom, you know, we sin and instantly. It's like an easy thing. Oh, yeah, give my son. This was, this was the hardest decision God has ever made. And do you think very many decisions are hard for God? I don't think so. But this one was, was like nothing else and like nothing we will ever experience. Yeah, because there, there was risk. Jesus could have sinned and ruined the entire plan, and we would all be lost. However, there's still risk, even though Jesus made it. And that risk is we could choose not to accept the gift of salvation. That's up to us. So it was not easy for God. Uh, check this quote out from Ellen White. She says further on, this is from SOP, it was even a struggle with the God of heaven whether to let guilty man perish or to give his son to die for them, meaning to die for us. It was the hardest choice God ever made. And so, but I imagine 
um, that we know that God sees the end from the beginning. And so as he's standing up in heaven or sitting, whatever, <laughs> um, as Jesus presented this to him, he looked forward in time. And he looked all the way to when his son came to this earth. And he saw what we can't even imagine. He saw the angry mob pushing and shoving Jesus. He saw the demon-possessed crowd screaming, crucify him. He saw the soldiers spit, kick, and curse the name of his son. He saw the vinegar-soaked whip snap down over Jesus' back again and again. He saw the enraged rabbi's jeer. He saw the spikes grow, go through the healer's hands. He saw the creator of all life hung on a cross in the midst of murders. That is what he saw. And he almost said no. But then he thought of us. He thought of me. He thought of you. And he said, there's no way. There's no way that I can let my creation perish with no hope. And so he decided to give his son just for us. It was the thought of us that tipped the thing over, that made him decide, yes, uh, yes, this is, this is worth it. This is worth it. Despite the risk, this is worth it. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants, wants us to choose him. But it's up to us. And then Ellen White goes on to say that the love of God manifested toward fallen man in the gift of his beloved son amazed the holy angels. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Son was the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. He possessed divine excellence and greatness. He was equal with God. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. That is an amazing paragraph because it shows to us the position of Jesus. He was equal with God. He was the brightness of his Father's glory. Imagine that. And he died just for us. Do you see his all? God's all was to give his son. Jesus' all was to give himself. And Jesus left everything, absolutely everything, and became one of us. He gave his comfort, his home, his lifestyle, his kingship. He left the perfect atmosphere of heaven and he had to come to what? Sin-polluted earth. It's like the king's kid that goes to the bottom and lives in the, in the slums. I mean, it's even worse than that, actually. You know, he went from perfect existence into totally sinful humanity. And so that's his all. He gave everything just for us. You know, and I could say a thousand more words, but it doesn't even come close. 
because his all is so indescribable that we're going to constantly be learning more, even throughout the, the ages of eternity. We will never grasp it fully, which is just totally mind-boggling. But that's why God wants us to give our all back, because he's given everything. And he says, give your all. I just want your all. I want your consecrated heart. And so the bottom line is this. God's all is love. That is what his all is. Bottom line, one word, it's love. And he ventured his all in Jesus Christ to save us. And now he wants us to venture our all with total abandoned confidence in him. And what Gent has talked about is just the beginning, like he mentioned, of a God who is so big and so beautiful and so generous that it will take an eternity to even begin to grasp what he's really given in the gift of Jesus. But even though it will, we'll never totally find it all out, every day he will give us, he will show us more if we'll ask him to, if we'll seek after him, if we'll appreciate what we do know he's given, he will show us more. And that's the key to giving him our all. That's the key. Because when we really see how much he's given of himself to us, then our natural response will be complete surrender and entire consecration to him. So our key for giving our all this morning is to look at his all. And then we will respond. Now I want you to envision with me for a moment here. If you were in this widow's shoes, she only has one handful of flour, one little drop of oil, and only one son. And you know the story. There's famine in the land. And just think about the day that she wakes up and she's going to prepare their very last meal. Think of the thoughts she must have felt. This is it, really. She was, they were at the end of, of what they had for sustenance. I'm sure she had some, <clears throat> some really deep thoughts going through her mind of... Um, the the gravity of life and you know what if they're living their last few days now so she's out there outside the city gathering sticks for a fire and Elijah comes up to her and asks her for something to eat so basically he's asking her to give him all that she had I wonder what we how we would have responded would we be ready to just say, sure, come to my house, I'll give, I'll give it to you? This, we see that this, um, this lady had an amazing Christ-like character because with no reticence at all, she just welcomes him to come and she gives it all to him. It's all she had and she gives it to him 
And we see that he rewarded her for this. She, she gave it all away thinking this is it. She put her, her own life and the life of her son aside for Elijah. And for all she knew, it was the end. She was still willing to do it. But God rewarded her. And like it says in 1 Kings 7, 14, uh, 17, 14, the jar of, where God is saying, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord gives rain on the land. So until, um, for the rest of the famine, God is supplying her because she gave it all up. So it's like God is saying to her, because you gave me your all, I'm going to give you all that you need. Just as she gave it away, God gave her even more. So giving our all to Christ means that we hold nothing back. It means that we give without hesitancy, without reticence, without reluctance, with no reserve. We give and we don't worry about becoming empty-handed because when we give to God without restraint, we're really experiencing firsthand His miracles. It's the act of us pouring out every last drop that enables Him to fill us up again. He multiplies our all by filling us with his all. I just want to add a little illustration here. I once heard this illustration about giving our all, and it kind of makes sense. Uh, imagine going to the, say, the gas station over here, and you want a candy bar. There's probably not healthy ones in the gas station, but anyway. So you go over to the gas station, you get this candy bar, you walk up to the counter, and say that the candy bar is $2. So you set it on the counter, and you, and you have a $5 bill. Well, so you hand the $5 bill to the cashier. What if, what if the cashier just didn't give you your, your money back, just, just kept it? You'd be like, hey, you owe me $3 right? Give me my three dollars. You're not just going to let it go, right? Well, what about with our lives? Are we giving something to God and then saying, yeah, here's me, but wait, I want to keep, I want to keep this one part. Give me my cash back. <laughs> That's not all. God's saying, I want all. And when, he, when we give all, it's got to be all, or else it's not all. It's nothing. We can't give him ourself and then say, here, here's me, but I want to keep this one part of my life. You know, I can't, I can't give up this, or I, you know, I can't give up cheese. I, I just, I have to keep it. I'm just using that as an example. No, God wants our all completely 100%. And so if we examine our lives and we see that there's something that we're trying to hold back, we're not giving our all. We want to surrender that to him. I'm reminded when I think of giving all, I'm reminded of another widow in the Bible who gave all. And she reminds us that even if our all is small, it still counts with God. 
the widow with the two mites, do you remember her offering? She gave all that she had, and it wasn't very much. It was two small coins. But we're told that when Jesus saw those coins, you can read about this in the Desire of Ages, it's really beautiful. When he saw this widow give her coins, his face lit up with joy. Now, it wasn't the coins themselves that pleased him. It wasn't the coins. It was the widow's consecration. And yes, her all was very small, but it brought a smile to Jesus' face. He said that she gave more than all the people who were bringing big gifts. Because when Jesus looks at us, he he looks not at the impressiveness of the gifts that we give, but at the willingness of our hearts. And he doesn't look at the amount we give, but at the wholeheartedness with which we give it. So if we give with our whole heart, we've given all. So even if that all is small, it does light the face of Jesus. So I've got a question for you. What makes a gift really a gift? <laughs> That's a good one. See, there's a whole lot more to a gift than just what's inside the package. If I hand you something, I mean, yeah, the gift is part of it, and what's inside is part of it. But part of every gift is the way it's given. Have you ever thought about that? The way we give something is really part of the gift. And so we've been talking about consecration. We've been talking about what it means to give everything to Christ. And, and that's wonderful. That's very important. But I think that we can't have this discussion without also talking about not just what we need to give, but how we need to give it. Because that is so important. When we, when we think about giving our all to Christ, we need to, we need to um, reflect on how we give that to him, because that does matter. It's not just the fact that we do it, but it's how. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, is how do we give our all to Christ? And because, see, in giving, in giving something, when we give something, our motive and the spirit with which we give it is reflected. And so when we're, when we're thinking about consecration, that's so important that, that the motive behind our gift is, is what it should be and, and reflects the, the true spirit that we should have um, in giving that. So what I'm going to do is, because I want to make this really practical and very um, real and interactive, I'm going to have mom and dad come up. <laughs> and we're going to give you some examples. Now, there's lots of different ways to give a gift to someone. And so we're going to give you some examples of the many ways, and of course there's more than we'll, than we'll touch on here. But um, what we want to do is, is they'll give you an example, and then we're going to talk about how that example applies to our spiritual lives, and how we, we take that example and we say, okay, you know, what does this mean to me when I'm talking about giving my all to Christ? Okay, so we want to apply this really practically, and so... Here we go. They'll give you an example. Okay, I have to talk a little bit on the side that they don't know about. <laughs> First of all, I, I have to admit that there's no such Now, I have some 
something for you, sweet. It's just a nice little gift that uh, for you, and I know how you like flowers. Isn't that sweet? Where's the rest of it? with my gift? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, what's this? You know. Well, I kind of paid myself a little tithe. I like those parts and I kept them. Okay. Okay, so what happened? <laughs> he gave her a gift, but he decided on the way to keep part of it for himself. And this is what Jim was talking about with his example. What, what happens when we decide, in applying it spiritually, when we decide that we want to keep part of our heart? We'll, we'll give, you know, we'll give this and that and that, you know, part, but there's part that we want to keep, and it could be for a number of reasons. It could be, you know, because there's, um, there's something we just want to hang on to. It could be because, you know, we don't want to give something up. It could be for any any number of reasons, but the reason doesn't really matter. It's, it's are we really giving all, completely, entirely, everything, or are we hanging on to something? Are we holding back on something? Okay, so let's, let's look at another example. Well, I have something for you here, and... Uh you know, I was talking to mom, and she thought I should give it to you because it's Sabbath, and uh, you know, it might it might make you feel good. She thought, <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, mom, she's always thinking of everybody, and she just thought it would be appropriate. So, is this gift from you or from your mom? No, well, I picked them. <laughs> but yeah, mom thought, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with them, and she thought, well, why don't, you know, why don't you just give them to Kimberly? Okay. So, uh, yeah, are they from me? Well, I picked them. But they're kind of from your mom. Well, yeah, from me, yeah, my, yeah, mom thought I should give them to you. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so this time, what happened? He gave a gift because someone else thought he should, basically, right? Do we ever do that? Do we ever give our hearts because maybe someone else thinks we should, or, or maybe even because everybody else is doing it around us. Think about this for a minute. <laughs> if we say we're, um, okay, so we're here at MTYC, so I'll just use this for an example because this is where we all are. Um, so I'll use myself for an example here. If, if I'm here at MTYC, and, you know, I'm here with all these dedicated, committed young people, and it's, um, very inspiring. And, and so what if everyone around me is, is really, you know, consecrating their hearts and this is, you know, and it's, it's a good thing and, and everybody's just really committed to Christ. Do you think it really counts if I decide, well, I guess this is kind of the thing to do. So yeah, okay, I'll give my heart to Christ too because everybody else is doing it. 
or because, you know, somebody's, you know, somebody else thinks I should. Do you think that really counts? Not really. It actually, it doesn't really mean we're giving our hearts in that condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah, you're so right. So, giving, um, it doesn't, it's not effective. It doesn't really count when we do it either because someone else thought we should or because everyone else is doing it or whatever. It needs to come from our hearts. So let's, let's have another example here. This one is, this one is really win-win. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> you're going to love this. I mean, you're really, this is... This is a sellout. What? what? I have a gift. Really? Yeah. Good. But first, I have to, this is kind of a win-win gift. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's kind of a, it's kind of an if gift. What do you mean? Well, it's win-win because I can win and you can win. But there's an if. Okay. It's really a nice gift. Oh, yeah. No, you can't have it yet. I have to ask you a question. Oh. If I give this to you, will you help me clean the shop? <laughs> what kind of a gift is that? It's a, it's a win-win gift, and it's an if gift. <laughs> If I give these flowers to you, and you can have them, <laughs> if you help me clean the shop, uh, oh. <laughs> you better the deal. explain that. <laughs> <laughs> He's out. <laughs> so, a conditional gift. He gave something to her or he offered to give something to her <laughs> on the condition that, you know, she'd clean the shop in this case. So what does that look like in our lives? Do we ever do that? I'm sure we've probably all done that to some extent or another. You know, I mean, how often do we, and maybe not even real often, but have we ever said to God, okay, well, I'll give you my whole heart if, and that's the big word is if, it's maybe only two letters, but if you'll do, and then we, you know, have some agenda that we want God to accomplish or fulfill or whatever. I'll give you my day. Oh, yes, yes, very good point. So if we, um, if we give something conditionally, it's maybe still a gift. I mean, we're maybe still handing something, but does it really come from our heart if we're saying, I'll give this to you if you'll do this for me or, you know, whatever the exchange may be. So it really still doesn't quite count. It doesn't really, I mean, in any of these examples, if we give with reluctance, if we give with hesitance, or if we give conditionally or any of these things like we've talked about, they really don't count in God's eyes. What he wants is our all, no strings attached, like Josh mentioned earlier, and just because we want to give it. So let's have one more example. 
Now I really want to apologize for all the misgivings. <laughs> I've got one last try. I'm going to give you all I have. It's all yours just because I love you. Aw, thanks. <laughs> so that's the way it should be, right? Now that we've looked at all these ways of how it shouldn't be, we have to end with a good example, of course. But that's, that's the way we should be. Yeah, you can, you can sit down. Um, that's the way that it should be in our spiritual lives as well. We should be giving our all because we want to, because our, our heart is pure, our motive is pure, not because we want something in return, although God loves to give us things in return for that, but that shouldn't be our reason. Our reason should be because we love God, because we want to serve him. We want him to have all of us. And, and once we've experienced that, we realize that when we do that, that is the best kind of life to live anyway. We wouldn't want it any other way if we had the choice. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. That's how we need to give our all to God, is cheerfully. And with, with the right motive, with the right spirit. So it's not a sacrifice to give all to Christ, but rather it's a privilege. And when we think of it that way, when we realize that, it, um, we experience the true joy of giving. And we find that, that that is the happiest, that is the most restful place that we can ever be, is when we're surrendered completely entirely because we want to be, because that's our greatest heart's desire. So let's hold nothing back from a God who loves us so much. Let's live absolutely and wholeheartedly and passionately for him. Let's live in such a way that others can see, others can tell who we live for and who we belong to. We've talked the last few mornings about consecration, ever, only, all. And that's what God is to us. So the question is, is that what we are to him? Is that what we are to him today? And we, we can talk about it, but do our lives say it? Do our lives say we are all for God? So that's, that's our challenge. That's our prayer to, to really respond to who God is to us. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your all, for your love, your unimaginable love to our, our finite human minds. Thank you for, for giving your all in Jesus Christ to die, to take our sins, and to take our guilt, and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Father, thank you for your, your, amazing, um, your amazing gift. We ask that, that as we go about today, that 
that all that you have done for us will be will be set in our minds and that we will continually thank glory and praise and and worship you for everything you've done everything you've given and help our response to be to give all of us back in return heavenly father we are humbled beyond words as we contemplate what you've given us. And your gift is not thousands of years old, but it's new every single day. You pour your lives out for us. And your greatest desire is to, to make us the perfect reflection of yourself. Lord, we want to give like you gave and like you give. So open our hearts wide and pour yourself in and help us to be flowing currents and channels and give it all away today and we know you'll give us more. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've given, for what you've done for each one of us. Help us to be more aware and to realize to a greater extent today what you've given for us and help our response to be one of complete surrender to you. Help us to give our all to you and to realize that there is no better place to be then completely surrendered and resting in the palm of your hand. That is, that is the best place that we can ever be. So help us each to, to be there today and to rest in you, to let your wings cover us. Um, be with us this Sabbath. Help us to keep it holy as you want us to and to continue to learn the things that you have in store for us. And Lord Jesus, we want to live wholeheartedly for you today and every day. So please um, take our hearts just now as we consecrate ourselves to you. Please help us to live lives of response to your great love for us. We pray that others will be able to tell who we live for and who we belong to. And we ask that you would keep fresh in our minds um, your commitment to us and ours to you. Help us not to forget who you are and who you want us to become in you. Thank you for the Sabbath. Please keep our hearts, keep us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.